0: Under the Sun is sponsored by Toucan Box. Toucan Boxes are brilliant colourful boxes that pop through your letterbox each month if you subscribe. I'd love for you to try them out. What you need to do is go to the website toucanbox.com and then pick two crafts that you like and they'll make you your own special box and if you use the code sun then you can get one for 50% off. Have a look at toucanbox.com and use the code sun I had loads of fun with my little boy doing crafts in our toucan box and I really recommend them. They're perfect for a rainy lockdown afternoon and they've won lots of awards. So give yourself a half-price toucan box treat at toucanbox.com using the code SUN. Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of the second series of Everything Under the Sun, a weekly podcast answering all the most pressing questions children around the world have about life on earth. Just in case anyone is new to the show, I'm Molly and I'm the original elf on a TV show called QI. I worked on it for all the years that Stephen Fry was the host and I wrote questions for the show and answers for Stephen Fry along with the other elves. Then I had two children of my own and wanted to make something interesting for them. One day, a little girl called Bee asked me a question, which was... My name's Beatrix, and in the morning I'll be fine. And I love swimming.
1: And I love asking questions. I'd like to ask one now. Can killer whales talk
0: to blue whales? question mark. And I thought, well, that's a brilliant question. And I decided to find out the answer. I got my friends at the Natural History Museum to help me out by telling me lots about blue whale and dolphin languages and made an answer for B. And that became the first question on everything under the sun. So if you're new to the show, do go back to the beginning and find out all kinds of brilliant things that we've covered from then until now. Today, however, we're talking about something very different. We're talking about daydreaming, paper and something that happens when we run our fingernails down the blackboard. Our first question is from B, who asked that very first question on everything under the sun. The one about blue whales and whether they can talk to killer whales. This time, B wants to know about daydreaming. Over to B. Hello,
1: my name is Bee. my age is seven and I like doing theatre. My question is, why do we daydream?
0: Goodbye. Thanks, Bee, for sending in your excellent question. To answer it for you, I have someone very special who knows a thing or two about daydreaming. She creates wonderful characters like Charlie and Lola, Clarice Bean and Ruby Redfort, who probably all love to daydream. It's a very wonderful and much-loved children's
1: author and illustrator, Lauren Child. Over to Lauren. Hello, B. Thank you for your question, why do we daydream? I think we daydream for various reasons and in different ways, depending. So if we're trying to really learn something or listen to somebody, sometimes we find ourselves drifting off unexpectedly, not because we want to or we're not interested, but because I think our brains have become overwhelmed with the information. And some people say, some experts say, you can only really truly concentrate for about 15 or 20 minutes at a time. Sometimes I think we drift off again, not on purpose, but because we're stuck or bored or we don't understand. And so our brain starts moving out of the room. I often think of it like that. But because it's all so difficult or all so boring, we can't tolerate it. And so we start thinking other thoughts and our brain is just searching for anything to help us escape. Sometimes I think we daydream on purpose because we are feeling worried about something or we're feeling unhappy. And so we start imagining things, how things might be if they were different, if we were perhaps living somewhere else or we were able to do something that we've always wanted to do. And so we start seeing ourselves in a different situation. And I think this is a really useful thing that we do. In a way, it's a sort of really comforting thing. But out of that, we might begin to understand our problem better, what is wrong, and start understanding ourselves more clearly and realizing what we need to do to put things right. I also daydream a lot. When I'm working, because I'm a storyteller and I write stories and I make pictures and I'm often having to imagine myself in someone else's shoes, so that kind of daydreaming is really, really creative to me. And when I get stuck, I have stopped doing this thing that I used to do, which is just sit at my desk until I've managed to solve the problem. I now actually go off and do something else and it might be something as tedious as washing up because doing something really mechanical like washing up, which I know how to do very, very well because I've done it for so many years that I don't need to concentrate on very much. So I'm half concentrating on that and I'm half thinking about other things and I'm not controlling those thoughts. I'm letting those thoughts drift around and take me wherever they take me and that's a kind of daydream state, and often I'll find ideas and thoughts all join up to make a new thought, an idea. And that's the answer to my problem. And it's a lot better than just sitting there at my desk. So I think daydreaming is there to help us create, to problem solve, to invent, to relax and to escape from things when they just feel too overwhelming. So I hope that helps answer your question, B.
0: Thank you so much for your amazing answer, Lauren. I love that Lauren daydreams to imagine herself in character's shoes and goes off to do the washing up when she's stuck with a story to daydream while she washes and help new ideas to pop up. Such a great answer, Lauren. Thank you so much. And I really hope that answers your question, Bean. Hopefully, when you're daydreaming soon, you'll invent something great, like a new story or an idea for a drawing or even something to make for breakfast anything you like. Daydreaming is so useful because it really helps us come up with new ideas, or to escape, or all the brilliant things that Lauren told us about. Now, I have a really exciting competition this week. Lauren Charles has illustrated one of the most brilliant books called Pippi Longstocking. You probably all know Pippi already, but for anyone who doesn't, Pippi is a nine-year-old girl who lives in her own house by herself with a horse, a monkey, and a suitcase full of coins and she has endless adventures every day. The books were written a while ago by Astrid Lindgren in Sweden, but this book, which we have in our competition, is a new version of the stories, beautifully illustrated with collage pictures by Lauren Child. I have a copy at home, which I bought at Daunt Books, and I read it to my son at bedtime. But if you'd like to win your very own copy, here's what you have to do. I want you to tell me your favorite word, one you've invented, ideally, or a real word. You just need to ask an adult to borrow their phone and help them record your competition entry. Just open a voice recording app on their phone and say your name, your age, and tell me your favourite invented word, or it could be a real word, if you like, and send it in to me at molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk. We'll pick a winner next week and if it's you you'll get your very own copy of Pippi Longstocking illustrated by Lauren Child through your letterbox soon it's really beautiful a classic brilliant tale of adventure and fun brought to life perfectly by Lauren so good luck everyone I hope you win right on with the show Our next question is about something Lauren uses a lot to create her beautiful books and to write stories. It's something lots of us draw on and doodle on when we're daydreaming. We write letters on it and obviously it's used to make books, including Pippi Longstocking and all of Lauren Charles' books. It's about paper and it comes from Beatrice. Over to Beatrice. Hello, Molly. My name is Beatrice. I'm six years old. I come from Dubai. And I love singing and dancing and staying with my family. My question
1: is, where does paper come from?
0: Hi, Beatrice. Thank you for your brilliant question. Well, most of the time, paper we use comes from trees, which have to be chopped down. So it's important that we plant lots of trees because we use lots of paper. So we need to keep planting trees to make sure we have the supply and we don't run out of trees because that would be terrible. What happens is trees are chopped down, then the branches are cut off and loaded onto a truck where they go, usually, to a paper mill. At the paper mill, bark is stripped off the branches of the trees and big machines called debarking drums. They're a bit like huge washing machines. Next, the wood with no bark on it is ground up into tiny pieces called fibres. Then water is added to the fibres to make pulp, which looks like a runny, porridgey, gooey mix. Finally, all the water is taken out of this pulp so that only the fibres are left. Paper mill machines use big heated rollers to roll out all the water and dry the fibres, leaving nice dry soft paper. Usually the paper is made into enormous rolls 10 metres wide. The machines that are used in paper mills make 2,000 metres of paper a minute. These huge rolls of paper go off from the factory to warehouses and then they go off in all different directions to be made into different kinds of paper like exercise books, plain paper of all sizes, envelopes, newspapers, books, wallpaper, loo roll, leaflets, all kinds of things made out of paper. Paper has been around a really long time. It is said to have been invented thousands of years ago in China by a man called Kai Lun. He was inspired by species of wasps that make paper to make their nests. He thought he would have a go at copying them and make paper using rags and plant fibers. And he came up with something very like paper in 105 CE. This paper was originally used to wrap stuff up like tea. Then, much later, it was used to make envelopes to put money inside and to make paper money. They used mulberry trees to make that paper money in ancient China. Now, paper wasps that gave this man the idea build their nests from paper. They chew wood fibres up into a paste like pulp. The pulp plus the wasp's saliva makes the nest, which the wasp builds out of 200 little cells arranged into a honeycomb shape. Isn't that amazing that those paper wasps inspired the invention of paper? Thank you wasps and thank you trees for giving us paper. Paper was introduced to the west in the city of Baghdad. So at first it used to be known as Bagdaticos, as that's what Baghdad was called in those days. That's a fun name for paper! The word paper comes from the Latin word papyrus. Papyrus is a plant that was used to make a paper-like material in ancient Egypt. The ancient Egyptians wrote in papyrus before the invention of paper. Before we had paper for writing on, people used clay tablets. We talked about that in an earlier episode where we answered the question, who invented writing? So do go back in time to the depths of the Everything Under the Sun archives to find out about clay tablets for writing. The question was answered by Irving Finkel, curator of ancient cuneiform scripts at the British Museum in London. He gave a brilliant answer, so I do recommend checking that out. Now, did you know... That you can make paper out of poo. That's right. Rather than using pulp made from chopped down trees, you can make it from animal poo, including the poo of elephants, cows, horses, and buffalo. These animals eat a lot of fibrous plants like bamboo or grass, leaves, twigs, and sugarcane. They also have quite inefficient digestive systems that don't totally break down the fibres they eat. So lots of fibres are still intact in their poo and can be used to make paper. Making paper out of elephant poo is really popular in Northern Thailand. If you want some, just have a Google online and you could buy yourself some nice note cards made out of elephant poo, if that's what you'd like to do. I hope that answers your question, Beatrice, and thanks for sending it in. Now, last week we had a competition to win a two-can box. All you had to do was tell me your name and age and do an impression of a crab, clicking its claws. Because one of our questions last week was why do crabs walk sideways the winner this week is rufus and here is his winning crab claw clicking entry i'm rufus i'm four and a half congratulations rufus well done for winning a 2 pen box full of fun things to make at home We'll post it to you as soon as possible so look out for it dropping through your letterbox. I hope you love it and have loads of fun making things. I wonder what treasures will be in your box. If you would like to try a Toucan box and you're not Rufus, you can easily buy one for half price from toucanbox.com using the code SUN for everything under the sun. If you use that code, you'll get a half-priced box and you can choose anything you like to go into your own special box, be it all the things you need to make a rocket or a jellyfish or a dream catcher just go to their website and use the code Sun. right now it's time for our third question it's about blackboards I was thinking about times that I daydream a lot and honestly at school I was always daydreaming especially when teachers were writing on the blackboard so I thought it would be great to answer Will's question about them in this episode over to Will's Hi, Molly. My name is Wilf. I live in Singapore and I'm seven years old. I love football. And my question is why do you go shoot when you scrape your fingers down a blackboard? Goodbye. Thanks so much for your excellent question, Wilf. It's such a horrible noise when you scrape your fingers down a blackboard, isn't it? Oh, yuck. I hate thinking about it. Oh, no. It makes me shiver even just imagining that noise. Well, why does that sound make us shiver? Well, there's one theory, which is that it's about how fast certain sounds vibrate inside your ears. The speed at which a sound vibrates is called its frequency. This frequency is measured in something called Hertz, which you spell H E R T Z. Now, sounds like fingernails scratching along a blackboard and a baby screaming have frequencies between 2000 and 4000 Hertz. Now, Sounds with frequencies between these two numbers are magnified inside our ears, so they sound much louder to us than they actually are. So the screech from a blackboard sounds much louder inside our ears than the actual sound is. And in fact, it's so loud that it hurts our ears, which is why we shiver or feel a bit unwell. Sometimes our heart rate and blood pressure will go up when we hear the sound as well. Why do these frequencies of sound seem louder to us than they actually are? Well, the theory is that this is nature's way of making sure if we hear the sound of a crying baby, it sounds louder than it really is. So we realise, quick, we need to help that baby as fast as possible. The same goes for the reaction we hear when we hear a person screaming. It's in that same range of frequencies as well. Ah! We want to help as soon as possible so the noise will stop. And that's what the sound is designed to do make us run and help now the fingernails running down a blackboard sound doesn't need you to do anything apart from hopefully just stop it's probably just chance that that sound is in the same range of frequencies as things that our ear canals are designed to listen out for and cause us to react like babies crying and people screaming our ears make the sound of fingers on a blackboard louder than they need to be and we shiver because the noise feels just so horrible That is one theory anyway. I hope that answered your question, Wilf, and thanks for sending it in. Right, that's it for this week. Wishing you all a very lovely week. I know we're all stuck at home at the moment and schools are closed, but hopefully listening to each other's voices on this podcast has cheered you up by learning lots of new facts. A huge thank you to the wonderful Lauren Child for talking to us about daydreaming, and a big thank you to Wilf. Be and Beatrice for this week's questions. And of course, if you have a question, you can send it in to me. All you have to do is borrow an adult smartphone and record your name, your age, a bit about yourself and ask me your question. Then send it in to me at molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk. Remember to enter the competition to win a gorgeous hardback book of Pippi Longstocking illustrated by Lauren Child. All you have to do is tell me your favourite invented word and send the recording in to me. I'll pick a winner next week and the winning child will get a hippie long stocking popping through their letterbox. Wishing you all a really, really lovely week full of daydreams, writing or drawing or making origami with paper and hopefully no shivery, nasty noises on a blackboard. Do check out Two Can Boxes and try one out using the code SUN. Also, if you like the show, do rate it and leave a review if you can wherever you listen to your podcast write a review apparently it really helps other kids find this podcast We have some new socials your parents or teachers can follow which are at everything under the sun pod on instagram and at everything uts on twitter on facebook it's at everything under the sun molly oldfield I also want to let you know about the beautiful Everything Under the Sun book. It's called Everything Under the Sun, A Year of Curious Questions, and it's filled with all of your questions, 366 children's questions answered. It's illustrated by 12 different illustrators, and it's absolutely absolutely beautiful it won't be out until september but you can pre-order it now if you're feeling very keen wherever you get your books just go and you'll find everything under the sun a year of curious questions they're waiting for you i hope you all have a lovely lovely week and i look forward to chatting to you again next week remember to send me your questions thank you and goodbye